Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break here on Unsafe Space. Today is Friday, October 1st. It's October already. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to molest that subscribe button. I don't know. What verb should I use? Hit the subscribe button. Jab the subscribe button. Go press that. It helps us out. Or you can be watching at unsafespace.com. We're always live streaming there. Um, so that's the best place to go. Uh, we're also on Utreon, Odyssey, all over the place. If you want to support us financially, you can go to unsafespace.com slash something support. I don't know. There's a button that'll tell you how to do that at unsafespace.com. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter. We have, uh, well, our ghost is on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. Um, and today I'm going to see if you guys can figure out who the guest host is today. Cause Carrie's, she might still be on vacation. I don't know. Could, can you figure out, we're going to hide her face. So you'll never know who it is that's guest hosting. Any guesses in chat? No, <laughs> I think they're duped. They they're, they're stumped. It's me. <laughs> yes, it's Sunny. Oh, good. And someone someone in I chat said it was Sunny. For Carrie. <laughs> I wore a hat for Carrie again today, but with my name on it. Excellent. Right. Welcome. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I know because we, we get to you get to uh, fangirl over our guest. It's so. like you gave me a co-hosting gift. I'm just I'm so excited. I know. I know. Well, before we get to our uh, mystery man, um, let's see. I need to remind people that book club is coming up on October 24th. That the next book is Texit by Daniel Miller. If you want to join book club, send an email to speak at unsafespace.com. And the one after that is The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, which is on November 21st. So if you want to get a head start, do that. Carrie is still on vacation, but I think she's back next week. But I'm actually not sure if she's back Monday or Friday. I need to talk to her. She went on vacation and then went and got herself some COVID while she was on vacation. So I'm not sure if it's changed her vacation plans at all. Um, but we will keep you posted. Also, uh, I want to point out I'm wearing Marie Busky sent me this. You probably can't see it. It's a little pin that says swear jar. I'm now allowed to swear whenever I want. I can swear. So screw you guys. I can swear whenever I want. <laughs> screw um, you. is That's not a very strong swear word. I'm saving my swears. I I don't have to swear. I just swear when I want to swear. Yes, they come. Um, it, it's natural. It has to come naturally. Has to come naturally. Yeah. Also, um, G Man sent uh, some wine and tea. Thank you, G Man. And the knitters, you don't know this, Sunny, but this is actually a knitting channel. I'm told, and the knitters sent us this giant box of stuff. And I got to be honest, I opened it up, and there's a card that's for my family and a bunch of presents and stuff because we're having a baby soon I, I assume this is what this is about i i i didn't even look at it i closed the box back up and i was like we're waiting until the weekend until we can like people aren't running around doing homework and other stuff we haven't even opened it but we did get the box and we will open it this weekend thank you knitters oh um, my gosh how did you get a bunch of knitters involved in your show uh hey this is it's one of the silver linings of of social justice uh they went after the mob went after the knitters we talked to some knitters about ah. you know being canceled and voila we have an army of knitters we have some knitters so, um, <laughs> i yes. i actually this is funny i i knitted when i was a kid i learned how to do it and i actually volunteered at my daughter's school last week to help them learn to knit it was so fun oh nice see you fit in it was it was my ticket to the onto campus because otherwise i never get to 
you know, uh, parents aren't allowed because of COVID. So oh, right, I've never yeah. seen our classroom. I've never, I, I can't go on the campus. I got but to this time and I got to meet all our classmates and it was fun. I'm told that knitting is actually a superpower and it had something to do with the French Revolution and a bunch of other stuff. I don't know. People, the knitters have lots history, of brag but... rights to a lot of history. I know that so. it's incredibly relaxing. That's what I think about it. Is it's, it, it really captures your mind and it's physical and, but you're not digging a ditch, you know, you're doing something kind of calm and yeah. And you end up with a blanket or a sweater or what something at the end. So yeah. And productive. Yes. And productive. All right. Unless without you're like further me, then ado, it's though. just knitting. Oh, then it's just, then you're just knitting. <laughs> I knitted a non-blanket. It's like this wide. It was going to be a yeah, scarf, right. but it's like this wide and like 12 feet long not or something. Not quite a scarf, not doing. quite a blanket. Yeah, just, that sounds just like me. <laughs> yeah, that was my one thing that I did. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, we should introduce our guest for today. He Woo-hoo! is the... Uh, I don't know. What, what, what title should I give? He's the king of psychology i don't know what he's josh slocum we love him to death i don't know what to say about you we love you josh josh Josh. is awesome welcome josh hi from the disaffected podcast you should have said queen though queen right the queen of of, (laughs) the queen of anti-woke psychological discussion yeah um and carter there's actually a name for um that that item that you knitted it's called a skankit that's disgusting (laughs) You need a skank to give it to. You need to find a skank. Well, I'll get right on that. Find myself a skank to wrap in my skank. Well, I saw you on Twitter earlier. It shouldn't be too difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're all over Twitter. They're all over Twitter. Um, so, yeah, Josh, welcome. Thanks Thank for, you. Thanks Good for to be here. Welcome. Nice to meet you, Sonny. So nice to meet you. So I'm going to tell my disaffected podcast story. Uh, somebody sent me the link. I think you'd made three. So this was way back, not that long ago, but still you've made a lot since then. And I just Saturday morning, I just kind of do that. I start listening to stuff and I play stuff on YouTube and uh, I binged the three episodes. Boom, boom, boom. Like it was so riveting. And I felt like I'm like, who is this guy? And how does he just come out of the blue with a professional like the sound is perfect the pacing is perfect. You pause. You know how to talk. You, t- you know how to tell a story. Oh. Um, and I feel like people come into that. They don't necessarily do that on their first podcast. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm just in awe. I think you just are so great. And it's so interesting. What you've done is do this, this integration of, of all of these toxic personalities and their tactics for manipulating and just their toxic tactics when they're around you and applying that on a grand scale to politics and what's happening in our culture today. So it's so interesting. And I, a lot of people have known people with these personality types and you can then really see it. You really show how it's the same. And I love your story of how you figured that out because of your personal experience. And you're like, wait a sec, this feels a lot like, this feels a lot like my mom. Well, thank you. That's, that's really, that's really kind. And that's really flattering. Thank you. Um, I, I think that the, 
one of the things I want to do is is show people or convince people of how much they they already know. Um, a lot of you know, and th this goes for a lot of different domains of learning and life experience, but um, when when I realized what cluster B personality disorders were, when when I understood that this was the framework that explained my mother and other members of my family, it was it, and it happened very rapidly over a couple of days after I learned the taxonomy. Everything started slotting into categories and it it organized an entire life's worth of experiences and connected things. So I already knew almost all of this stuff, but it was all discrete, disconnected knowledge that didn't make any narrative sense. And I think most people know most of this too. They just don't yet understand that they know it. And they don't know how they connect it. So that's what I want to do. Yeah. And it's so important. I think, I mean, I, we can talk about the Gabby Petito thing. I don't know if you watched the um, body cam footage. I have but, not. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys about it, but it's, you just kind of watch that. And I think people always are really, they've been taken for a ride by some narcissist or something in a relationship. And it, it's like people don't really know that they, they've experienced it, but nobody gives you the lesson when you're a kid. Like, okay, here are the different people, <laughs> the predators that you could encounter and what are the signs? They're obviously not training police about people like this. And then if you can understand this and like you said, organ have it organized with terminology and um, put in a way that you can then apply concretes, then you really will see politically this these tactics. And there are a lot of liberals um, who voted Democrat all their life who I've heard say, I, I realized I was being lied to. That's a big one. Um, the moment they realized that everything was a lie. Yeah, well, and it's it's what um, I this is going to be a drinking game for every time. I, there are two drinking games with me. One is my mother. So every time I say my mother, you'll be drunk before the end of this um, podcast today. Uh, but the other one is my therapist. But seriously, <laughs> um, I asked my therapist a couple of years ago, what what is what is the most important characteristic that a person needs to have in order to make real substantive and lasting progress to get past abuse or trauma? And he said, the ability to accept that everything or almost everything they thought they knew was wrong. And Interesting. I think he's right about that. And I that's politically, that's what people have to do. And it takes time to go, Oh my God, my history classes as a kid, my, the, the, the celebrities that I've admired, the, like, there's just so much of your life that you've just taken for granted that, uh, they're telling you the truth or they have your best interests in mind or, you know, why would they lie? Why would they, why would they lie for their career's sake and hurt people knowing they're hurting people? Yeah. It's hard it to face it. I was just going to, I'm glad that you guys brought this up because I was just thinking about this today. Um, I think as we, the further we progress in, or uh, I don't know if progress is the right word, <laughs> the further we descend into these this authoritarian hellhole, I think you, you end up, you do have some people who are willing to 
to it's it's actually very hard to do what you're saying, Josh. Right? Just to recognize like, oh, everything is everything I've believed is wrong. All these these assumptions I've made it about the world time, are wrong. It takes time, doesn't it? And I think it gets harder the deeper you go because you've got the more you know the more you are on the side of the authoritarians, and the longer that goes. Um, the more you're personally responsible for, right? When you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, like two years ago, you could look yourself in the mirror and wake up and say, well, I've been responsible for pushing X, Y, and Z and, and calling right-wingers Nazis and blah, blah, blah. But now I see, okay, fine. But now if you were to try and do it, you'd, you'd have to say, well, I'm responsible for vilifying people who didn't want the vaccine or even question the vaccine and then vilifying people who wanted masks. Like I've done more damage now. And the more you, the more this goes on, the the more daunting it is to admit to yourself the role that you've played in creating this because you've you've done more and more evil and i think there's a psychological phenomenon where in which when people are confronted with contrary facts that facts that contradict their narrative um they tend to many people tend to double down rather than wake up and so I just see this almost as an exponentially increasing divide where you'll have it'll be it, it gets becomes increasingly harder for people to peel themselves away and they become increasingly hard hearted in their adamant support of the authoritarian state. Yep. I don't know if there's a question. Yeah, there, just a it, it's like I see that, too. It, it is. There's a crossroads. I think people come to you either go the way Josh went and others. And I mean, I have to, to, to a large extent over the last five, six years, um, myself, I mean, I had my own mis misconceptions, um, and, and yeah, there's a crossroads where you either say, well, I'm going to keep all my same friends and I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to not rock the boat and I'm not going to, I'm not going to look for the truth. I'm just going to go with the flow. Um, and I think that kind of corrupts your soul a little bit. Yeah, it's it's harder and harder, right? And then you get to um, a point where you're mad yeah. at people who aren't like that. Well, Sonny, um, maybe you've maybe you've been through this on on um, on earlier podcasts that I didn't catch, but I'm curious where you've been politically and and where you've gone. I don't know what your story is in terms of your philosophical outlook, your political outlook. Um, you know, I've always, I, the funny thing is, is I've always been the skeptic. So I, I've, I've always been on the right, um, okay. but kind of libertarian objectivist. Um, but that's sort of right, you know, um, not, I'm not religious. Um, so, and I was skeptical of my college courses. I was skeptical about what I was learning in history, but I was, I was reading a lot of history and even the stuff I thought I knew for sure, I'm realizing, I'm realizing is wrong. There's a whole other context. Like, for example, I mean, I don't want to get into weird stuff, but just like Lincoln, that presidency. And now I look at it as, okay, was he wrong to stop secession? Like that to me is, that's a question I never asked myself. I thought, oh, of course, slavery bad must be wrong. Uh, or, you know, of course he went in there and fought for the slaves, which I knew at some point that wasn't true, but still I thought, well, keeping the union together and all that seemed like a value. And now I think 
maybe he made a really big mistake and that was sort of the end of the Republic at that moment. <laughs> it was, you know? Um, so, and there are other things he did. I mean, I just little things like that. I think I had the mainstream view and as an objectivist, I definitely had views that I don't agree with now after I kind of put some critical thought into it. I thought, gosh, that was really dumb. Why did I accept? I, I know, I don't know if, uh, Carter agrees or disagrees with me on this one, but I used to believe in open borders and hmm. I used to think that was a valid, a valid uh, position. I know and the anarchist says, of course, I'm not an anarchist. So, but today is the, I, is the objectivist position open borders. I don't know yes. what the official. Oh, hundred percent. Okay. And that was sort of the first political issue that I broke with them. That's a pretty big one. And they, I was getting called a xenophobe and a racist and all kinds of things just because I had the non-radical view. Um, you know, and I think over time, once that broke, it allowed me to be much more questioning of probably, I don't want to say I was in a cult. I wasn't, but that group has gotten more cult-like as I have broken away. Um, uh, Carter can speak to that too. So there's my own kind of thinking there. And, and, but mostly, I mean, forget objectivism. It's not even really that. It's realizing that even the things I thought for sure I knew about history, I realize I don't really understand it. I don't, I haven't seen both sides. I don't, I haven't checked the nuance. And when you're living through a period like today, which is a historical period, you realize how much nuance and how much context is required to understand what's happening. How could I learn that from just like a little sliver of a history book? It, I realize now I don't know anything. And living through this time has taught me that, I think, more than anything. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. Just living yeah. through this massive historical change? Yeah, yeah I would say the, the for me, um, one of the things I love about the internet is we're able to see how much the cathedral has been lying to us. And yeah, there were the Walter Durantes and those people of the past, but um, it's kind of it's kind of blown everything wide open, and we have access to firsthand um, firsthand accounts of things that we didn't in the past. Like nowadays, if there's a, an event that happens, you can see people. It's usually someone's there with a the phone, right? So someone recorded the event. You don't have to rely on CNN's characterization of the event or the New York Times's writing of the event. And I look back at history, and I think to myself. You know, one thing I've gotten really into with with respect to history is reading um, primary source material rather than someone's account of history, because uh, exactly. it's the, the recognition that actually your your account of history is just is probably just as biased as any of the super biased yellow journalism rags that I might read today talking about anything else. Um, so and, and I think the reading the primary sources is harder, but. Uh, I really wish that that's how history were taught because I don't come away, you know, most of the primaries, like my, everyone knows this that watches the show, but my big thing lately has been the French Revolution for the past, I don't know, eight months even. And most of the primary source material, you know, I come away from it. I don't have a firm, I don't, I wouldn't say I have a firm grasp of the French Revolution in terms of like, these were the causes and this is exactly what happened. It's kind of a chaotic mess. And like, I've seen the chaotic mess and I can, tease some parts out and draw some conclusions, but um, it's not as cut and dry as anyone would portray in some recounting of those events. 
Yeah, well, the French Revolution is a is is a good thing to be reading about and thinking about in times like this. Oh my gosh, um, right? Yes, definitely. And which way are we going to go? That's what I keep thinking. Like, we're either going to go total socialism, French Revolution, where the socialists get their heads cut off, which would be very satisfying, and yet I know where that goes, right? <laughs> which isn't good. <laughs> or you know, are we going to go American Revolution? I it. It's a toss-up at this point. Can I throw something out? I know it's Friday and we're supposed to be fun. <sighs> or more fun. I don't know. If we're well, we're, we're always fun. We're always frivolous and fun, right? Um, well, now but I'm gonna bring, swear, it's even more I'm going to bring up a topic part. that maybe is heavy, but I'm gonna, I was thinking about this today. Humans are one of the only, you know, you put lemmings aside, but <clears throat> in a few other instances, humans are one of the only animals that can commit suicide, who can choose to not want to live like most animals don't have a choice they just want to live right they just they act on instinct their instinct is survival right um and they might do things they might have evolved certain traits like lemmings or whatever that that look sacrificial but their instinct is is, is survival of the of the genes <clears throat> of their genes basically and they don't have a choice but humans have this choice and i thought <clears throat> imagine being in a a large building and a fire happens in the building and there's smoke and you can't see and you can't see where the exits are at all right and but you can tell people around you are kind of moving in a particular direction so you go you follow them you're like well they must be going towards the exit because i can't see the exits and this is where everyone's going i'm just going to follow everyone what happens if you find out is like what you're doing when you do that is you're relying on their sense of self-preservation. You're relying on the fact that they're not in fact suicidal, that they want to get out of the building. I don't think that's always true. Um, and if it turns out that they're running into the fire, you're dead. And I think a lot of people right now are, we're looking out at our culture and we're wondering, well, how could they do this? And how could they do that? And like, there's a sense of like, well, we just need to follow them. They must have, you assume that even the other side has their own self-interest in mind. And I'm no if longer only convinced we could convince that's true. Them, right. It's that's yeah. the Atlas shrug. I don't think that's true. Of Dagny Taggart where she, she's like, mm -hmm. I, if I just explain it better or I'll show them, right. I'll show them what works and that their policies don't work. And then they'll, they'll figure it out and they'll let me go. And right. she realizes at the end that, no, they just want to die. Yeah, they don't actually want to live, which is a horrifying re uh, realization to me. It's horrifying. Which is a lot of mental illness, which gets back to why Disaffected Podcast is so good. Do you see that? Do you think that there's just a lack of a will to actually live deep down? That's a hard one. Um, I think... I don't know. <clears throat> I think that I think that there are a, a lot of people out there, and they may not even know this themselves, um, that don't want to live, and and don't don't know that, don't really understand their motivation there. But you can see it by the consistent actions they take, or the actions that they consistently do not take. Right. To, the self-destructive actions and the, and not just self-destructive, but tearing down anything good around them. 
Yes. Um, it, I think that one of the big, and I keep learning this every day, it be, just gets demonstrated as true more every day, that, you know, as, as you talk about a lot, Carter, um, there's emotions and there's rationality and emotions motivate us. Uh, we can't divorce emotion from our calculations about why we do what we do and what, what should we do and what, what should we not do. But I think we're largely unaware of how frequently, how primary emotional motivations are for us. We think we're thinking, but we're not thinking we're feeling. And we, we want to service those feelings, the emotional goals, so much more than we want to actually get at the truth. Even if we think we're trying to get at the truth, we're often really just trying to keep that emotional goal in mind. I think that's one of the things that's really screwed us up. Uh, the inability to distinguish between when we're emoting and when we're thinking. Yep. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fear to, I was, man, this kind of circles back to what you were saying earlier, because I was thinking about this this morning as well. There's a lot of fear. I see it, by the way, I'm not, I'm not characterizing just the left. I see this all over left and right everywhere. Yeah. Um, a, a, an unwillingness to make a, a legitimate serious attempt to take an idea seriously and to consider it um it's it's almost always uh a emotional reaction to the idea followed by a rationalization of either agreement or disagreement with that idea um and i thought you know i thought to myself <clears throat> i i don't i you know may, maybe i'm just tooting my own horn i don't think i do this a lot but i think that's partly because I had to go through a period in time when I completely upended my entire belief system, right? And so I had to, I had, I had to face that fear of everything I think is completely wrong. I'm, I have to undo it all. And I was thinking about we. I read when we were reading the Anarchist Handbook recently. I really enjoyed reading some of the communist anarchists that were writing, and. I realized that my tendency was to approach the essay with the attitude, this isn't a fucking commie, so I'm gonna read it critically because they're a stupid fucking commie, right? Like that was, that, that's my, in, that's my feeling. That's, that's what I wanna bring into it. But I stop myself and, I, <laughs> and I, I say, wait a minute. I'm going to approach this, I have to read, I'm going to approach this essay in a sense where I don't actually have any disagreement with communism, I'm going to have to rediscover that. If if they're wrong, I need to rediscover it for myself. I'm going to read this, and if I can't rediscover it, then then they've made good arguments, and I need to go think more deeply about this. And if I can rediscover that, if I can reinvent what they're wrong, and you know, in in those cases, I could. I saw things that were just glaring errors that I had a hard time ignoring. And I was like, I can't ignore this error. It's just very, very obvious to me. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and follow, but I really think that they're making this error. But that takes a conscious effort to, to go into something and know this person's gonna be saying something that I think is, by the way, I think communism is one of the most, if not the most evil political system ever invented. It is vile and disgusting. I absolutely hate it. I'm, I'm this close to like giving commies helicopter rides. I really hate it. 
But to be able to, to, to catch yourself and stop and say, okay, I'm going to give this whole thing the do it deserves, the benefit of the doubt, and try and approach this objectively and see what argument they're making. Um, I think that's a learned skill. It's not something that we want to do naturally, but it's a vital skill. And it's not <clears> – <throat> It's a skill that is that is almost impossible to learn these days because that is not a value that is held by our culture, by our educational system, whether it's public education or the university system, where, where you would think that that would be a value that is held there. If it ever was, it certainly hasn't been um, for some time. Uh, in fact, holding that value among respectable people and intellectuals is considered a moral failing. You know, or it's described mm-hmm. as a moral failing. You know, why aren't you? Um, I mean, you can see it when you you know when you just try to approach a subject that somebody in the intelligentsia, which is almost entirely the left these days, um, when you try to examine something that they disagree with, a political position they disagree with, the very fact that you are willing to examine it without prejudice is provocative to them and and they're they're angry and upset that you did not preload your emotion onto this analysis so i think it's worse than not being able to learn it i think that we are act we are actively taught that thinking in that way is morally suspect that's a really good point it's kind of like and, and I've had the experience where if I repost somebody that that person is viewed a certain way as an undesirable within my circles, I'm immediately pounced on like it's a moral issue. It's like a guilt by association. I go, well, wait, he's making some good points that we need that we should be talking about or at least answering, you know, if, if we don't agree then or, you know, if you don't agree, answer it. Um, but yeah, you get you get kind of like put down, and then even when you when you get your circle of friends that are more of the dis, the ones that disagree with the mainstream, then even amongst them, if you post somebody mainstream and go, these are interesting ideas, and we need to we should discuss it, then you get pounced on. It's like whenever you're in a group, they tend to, uh, yeah, they tend to view it as immoral to consider views that we've already we've already discussed that we know communism is evil so why are you talking to communists yeah so why would you read a communist yeah right yeah Um, why would you read with that's a really good point carter and it is a learned skill i think it's true and i'm sure i'm guilty of it it's true that you you immediately have this instinct or this human thing that happens Ugh, ugh, ugh. It's like a, it's almost a repulsion. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a we're we're we are conflicted. We're conflicted because we have a drive. Those of us who want to take that approach, all humans have a drive to be to some degree or another pro-social and to fit in with the village, right? I, the village is much bigger now. The village is electronic. The village is distorted. It's an image. It's a it's it's an extrapolation on a screen. But we're still evolved the way, you know, on our minds work on a much smaller scale than the world we actually live in. So we it's very hard not to censor yourself or 
fall into that trap of thinking that you shouldn't be thinking this or you shouldn't be considering that because look at the people who agree with that. It still happens to me. I, I look at my Twitter feed and I see that, or I look at someone else's Twitter feed and I see, you know, the first, the first thought that sometimes flits across my mind is, well, look at the kind of assholes who are agreeing with that. They're from this community of bad people. I catch myself and I stop myself from doing it, um, whereas I didn't before. But I think that's natural. And I, you know, it. I sometimes think, um, if I say something about one of the last taboos that. I had internalized and that censored me from thinking and speaking um, has been um, my former allegiance to feminism broadly um, and, and my lifelong need to think of myself. What are you saying? You hate women? Is that what I just heard? You say? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you know what? Screw me. Shut up and get back in the kitchen, Sonny. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, That'll I be taken out of emotional messages from that. <laughs> I'm going to take I that clip. And I'm going to put that on the internet. Yeah, just, just like the 0.5 seconds of it, you know. And I still, when I see, you know, when I say something and I say, you know, I think feminism is wrong about this. I think it's misrepresenting men. Um, I still have the emotional hangover from my recent years of, of being more philosophically sympathetic to that. And I see some dudes agreeing with me and, and my emotions make me jump very quickly to that guy looks like an actual misogynist. And if he agrees with me, is there something wrong with what I'm saying? And usually that's not the case. Sometimes it might be the case. I, I, I won't necessarily know, right? I don't know. Yeah. My example of Lincoln is a good one too, because if you start questioning, did the South have a point? Yes. Oh my God, right? No yeah. way. You can't do yeah, that. I, that's where my reaction that, comes in, Sonny. The people who think that yeah. are racist, they're sla they like slavery. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was terrified really to admit that yeah. like actually the South should have been allowed to secede. Yeah, like <laughs> right. It took me Marcus a while. It's still better to hear you say that. Um, so you have you have those emotional contamination reactions too. We um, all do, or have but had, yeah, you know we all do. But I think it's part of living a conscious life is being in touch with your emotions um, and knowing like being able to identify them when they bubble up and say, oh, that's what this thing is. I'm identifying it. Now I can I can either indulge it or I can uh, deal with it in some way or put it aside for this analysis or whatever it is. Um, this yeah. is a really good demonstration of why free speech as a cultural value as well as a political value is so important too because our instinct wants to shut people up or just push them away to the fringe. And even people like us are admitting, I mean, people who are very, I mean, I think of myself as thoughtful. I've done, a, I spent a lot of time reading my whole life. Um, and I know that I'm, I still have those knee jerk like reactions. So, you know, I definitely hold that as a conscious value that I want people to be able to speak, even communists and even woke people, even though what they're saying I find so bad and so evil. And, and like you said, though, Carter, maybe I need to read some, you know, if somebody says, well, actually this woke person has an interesting point. Oh yeah. The, the, maybe the I commies, need to consider that, you know? Yeah. The commies in the anarchist handbook, I would say like 80% of some of what they were saying was like spot on. It was like, yeah, your analysis is That's absolutely really correct. 
you know, I, I see where I think it, you made or, the error. Right. Right. And right. you went off on this other thing. And, and I get that. But, I think about that all the time these days, this nuance, right? Because like, you know, objectivism, Ayn Rand was very, very clear. No, uh, you know, what Teddy Roosevelt did with the trust busting was, was horrible. Um, it was a violation of property rights and, and, you know, caused a lot of corruption in government after that. Um, but you can see looking around at big tech and big pharma and all this stuff going on right now, how a big company can actually be evil and be causing havoc in a society, doing real harm to freedoms and to a civil, our civil free society. Um, and so you can see that the problem exists and the, and, and that should not be ignored. And I think a lot of people will blow right. off the problem because they're afraid that that means that they have to be for trust busting or, you know what I'm saying? Oh no, right. I'm against trust right. busting. And therefore all big companies can do whatever they want. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's where the Wokies get you, right? Is they, they, a lot of people are like, well, I don't like sometimes there's real issues behind whatever it is they're saying. Often they they blow them out of proportion or they misrepresent them, but you know it starts with some kind of grain of truth often, and therefore, you know you're afraid to reject them because you you don't. It's like well, either I either can reject them, but then I'm rejecting the problem, or I can or I have to accept them, but I don't want to accept their whole thing that they're saying. So, like yeah, it a, a who's well, who said this? Was it Nietzsche? Someone said something like. You know, if an insane man leans out his window in an insane asylum and yells two plus two is four, it doesn't make it wrong, right? Like people can be, people can say true and factual and correct things and be wrong about everything else. Um, yeah. That's totally possible. Right. This, this I think is related to the, the psychological concept of splitting uh, hmm. that we've talked about before. Um, for those who don't know, splitting is uh, seeing the world in terms of black and white and binaries um, and not allowing for the gray in between and not allowing for um, competing interests and competing goods or even competing evils. And <clears throat> we all do it. It's a human characteristic. But it's splitting and it's opposite. And you might think of its opposite. You might call it bundling, right? The idea that if you accept this premise, then you must also accept this premise that most other people accept along with it, right? Um, and you don't have to. And it's, splitting is one of the major features of people with borderline and narcissistic personality disorders. That's one of their main cognitive distortions. It's where the, it's where the colloquial um, description of borderline comes from when you hear people say, I hate you, don't leave me, right? That that rapid mm -hmm. vacillation. Splitting has a lot to do with that. And, and such people do it to a great degree. They do it to their friends. They do it to their spouses. But we're all doing it societally right now. Um, and I mean, we're all doing it. We're all acting as though we've got a personality disorder when it comes to um, political questions, medical questions do you think that's new or is that a just a feature of the current times were there times when people were more open and willing to kind of consider things and think um i don't know if it's new i think i think it's excessive right now i think i think it's 
we've got our our we've got the accelerator on the floor right now and i suspect that kind of behavior becomes excessive in times of fear uh so i'm sure that this isn't the first time that kind of psychological uh deportment if you will has been prominent what do you think it also feels think? like i i think that's true i also think that there's something about I don't really know if what I'm saying is true. <laughs> There's something about boomers. There's something about that generation that is sort of, uh, they seem to, you know, the, the 60s hippies and those people seem to have men, a lot of mental illness. Um, well, I mean, they now almost I feel went like from... there's a lot mentally ill in charge. Yeah, I almost feel like when the '60s, though, they were almost the other way, where they were they were bundling a lot more than they were splitting, perhaps. Um, but I, you know, to get to, and, and maybe they they just went the other way. I think splitting is related to authoritarianism, though, and I, I want to like, mm. and I, I think one of the problems I haven't talked too much about um, child rearing because it pisses people off, but I'm going to uh, <laughs> because when you set up. Um, when you teach kids that something is right because an authority said so, you're teaching them to live under authoritarianism. You're teaching them that there's an authority, like the right is very, it's very Manichaean, it's very black and white. It's true or it's like, this is right or it's not right. Um, you're teaching them to not use their own judgment, but you're teaching them that their job is to defer to the judgment of an authority. That's their job and the authority tells it like it is. And one thing that I've tried to do, and I don't know if I've succeeded, but I always tried to make sure I was able to explain the why behind something and not not issue a rule to my daughter that was like, because I said so, or this is just the rule. It's like, there's a there's a reason behind this, right? This isn't, I didn't arbitrarily, these aren't my dad's 10 commandments. This is, hey, I, you know, I want you to have a productive, happy life. These are some things that you're going to have to do. Brushing your teeth was the example that I've used on the show in the past. Like I just went and Googled a bunch of pictures of tooth decay and showed it to her. And she was like, I don't want That's that. That's exactly like, how that worked with Lucia. Great. She saw some thing. I don't know. We were just randomly, I didn't think of this. She randomly saw something about um, uh, Queen Elizabeth and how her teeth rotted of all the sugar she ate right and and there was a an actress with these black teeth you know and she was like oh. right <laughs> that was the right. end of any right. objections to brushing her teeth well you can but also I, uh, you can also get her safe from lead makeup using the same example so <laughs> right <laughs> but that's that's the thing i think a lot of people are raised and and i would i would i don't think this is new they're raised with a very authoritarian mindset uh, dad said or mom said or god said these are the rules follow the rules and that's very easy to transfer over to well now the government says fauci says right um it's the same it's the same mentality it's it's an authority hands you hands rules down to you that are that you ought not question it's not your job to question um and i think that has to, i think it goes with authoritarianism and i actually think um i, I was i was <sighs> If you wanted to, if you wanted to build an authoritarian government and have people not resist uh, and, and kind of go along with it, I think you need two things, uh, maybe more, but the two, the two that we're talking about that are related. One, I think you need that kind of a mindset. You need that splitting. 
So people like yes, no, and filter out like bad people, good people, whatever. You need that splitting. And I think you actually, you fundamentally need people not to want to live. You need to have that kind of uh, Is it just, suicide do you think people mentality that I was talking about before. Maybe. Like a mass depression. Was it Thoreau that said something like most people Maybe. live lives of quiet desperation? There's like that quote. I remember it's hearing weird, that. It's weird because I always view really? that as projecting. <laughs> I did too. Like, <laughs> like, Really? I don't live a life like that, so I just kind of don't relate to that, but maybe they do. I I mean, it's depressing. I think it would be depressing to be... It is depressing. Like, I, I was actually much more depressed when I was... Like, I was raised Christian, and there were these set of rules that were arbitrary rules, and I was trying to meet them constantly. That was actually much more depressing to me than... Uh, the scary thing of having to figure out my life on my own and and derive a set of of morals and like you know, that's it was a harder task and it was daunting but it was ultimately much more fulfilling. I don't know. I can't. I'm not someone. Maybe someone who's. In, I don't think anyone here is super religious. So maybe someone religious in chat can talk about it. But like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's the experience that a lot of religious people have. They wouldn't. They don't say that. They seem to be very fulfilled with that kind of authoritarian obedience mindset. I don't know. I don't think most religious people. I mean, there are religious people who don't look at it as obedience as much as spiritual value. You know, comfort yeah. and. Um, uh, good sense, not so much, you know, the, the commandments being sensical, good sense. This is how you, this is how you live a good life. I can see that if I murder people, that's not going to lead to a very good life or, you know, um, I don't think that they think of it as I'm just waiting to hear what God tells me to do today, <laughs> you know, like where I, I don't, they don't have agency or. Um, well, but we do have a bunch of people who are religious, like they're state theists. I'm not like, they're not, yeah. they're not Christian, but they are, they grew up in a kind of an authoritarian, I, I won't even say the authoritarian household. I think a lot of them grew up in a household with no rules where the parents just were trying to be friends with them, which is also mm -hmm. horrible, right? So they grew up with basically no rules, no boundaries. So no instead of... Yeah, instead of the authority, like, I don't like the authoritarian thing. It, this is, be it's because I said so, and that's why it's a rule. Uh, I think it's, it's a rule because these are the reasons. It's a rule because it's a rational rule for living in the world. You should understand that, right? But they grew up with neither of those things. They grew up with, like, there are no rules. We're just buddies. And maybe that left a power vacuum in their mind somewhere. Maybe that made them more susceptible to uh, bureaucrats who decided to exercise their will and demand allegiance. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe also, maybe also that is why <clears throat> so many of them um, seem to have an expectation that the bureaucrats, the Fauci's, the president, whoever it is in a, in a, in this, whoever it is in the state is that, that that person's primary responsibility is to do things that please the person, 
right? You're supposed to do things for me. You're supposed to give me stuff. You're supposed to make these other take people, care of me. Take care of me, and you're, you're supposed, supposed to be to daddy. Make these other people stop saying things that make me uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. I don't feel valued. You know, why don't you make them value me? Why don't you make them tell me uh, that I'm more important than them? Um, b- because that that's the been, creepiest thing in the world to me. And that, I, that thing right there that is new to me in our society. It didn't used to be, it used to be, you know what? I just want equal rights. I just want to be respected. Yeah. I want to be treated fairly. I don't want to be subject to harassment and bullying everywhere I go because I, you know, I'm different. That's what it used to be. Now it's you will accept me. <laughs> it's really yeah. you, you will and, and 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 more and more, Sonny. It's it's you will accept me, you will cherish me. Yeah. You will love me. You will affirmatively value me to the degree yeah. that I believe I am entitled to be valued and you will perform it in front of other people. Yeah. Now that is where it crosses the line into psychotic somehow. And and that's new to me. I haven't, I don't remember that from 20 years ago or 10 me years either. ago even. That is, but I don't understand I agree with the, you, uh, you know, I, I say I don't understand. I think that's just that's a shorthand for me to say I'm frustrated by. I'm frustrated by the. I don't know how to say it without saying I don't understand. <laughs> um, it's hard for me to accept how many people are not more angered and made defiant by the unearned imposition of state authority and media authority and political authority. Maybe this is how I came out of the womb. Maybe my brain is wired this way. I can't separate out my childhood experiences from whatever my neuronal wiring may be. But even as a child growing up in an authoritarian deranged household, I always remember having a very developed sense of justice and injustice. And I remember being angry, furious, really, from a very young age at the injustice that happened in the world and and the injustice from my mother, um, uh, particularly. I knew when things were arbitrary and when they made no sense, when they weren't for my they weren't for my edification. They were because somebody wanted me to perform something for them and that somebody was usually my mother. And it made me furious. And I would just scream, usually internally, but sometimes outside and say, this is not fair. I have a hard time psychologically connecting with so many people who are not having that reaction to where we are right now, particularly with COVID lockdowns and vaccine mandates. I want to say, what is wrong with you? Josh, I feel the same way. Don't you value yourself? Why aren't you so angry? You want why, to these people it, back behind a fence. Why isn't everybody screaming on social media every day? Why is it only a small percentage of my friends that are constantly posting? Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, Josh, what is you've going just on hit, here. Like, Why are so many people just, oh, I'm just gonna live my life. I'm against this, but what can I do? And I'm just gonna post pictures of my family life and not, you know, not ever say anything about politics. And I'm not even gonna like her post on politics because ooh, it's a little bit, it's a little <laughs> bit too strong. And I don't want anyone to think yeah, that I it's just am for a vaccine choice. <laughs> 
I just want to say, Josh, when you explained that your childhood, other than your mom being the primary person, because we have different parenting uh, histories, uh, you could have been describing me. That's exactly how I felt growing up, like very Same. focused on Is justice. Is this a personality trait? Yes. And it I think, he, yeah, I think Josh has hit on the fundamental thing that's dividing America. I'm, I'm pretty sure that you nailed it because there are a lot of people on, I will say, I'll say our side. Like, look, the three of us, I think, are all non-religious, right? Yes. Carrie's, Carrie's very religious. We don't agree on a bunch of stuff, but I'll give you, Carrie very clearly hates being told what to do. Yep. She hates that, like, that does not sit well with her. She has a sense of self that's like, you're not going to tell me what, I, what, what to do. I am yeah. an independent person. I'll make up my own mind. And as disparate as a lot of the belief systems are on this side, if, if I, we're going to divide everyone in, in two here, as disparate as our beliefs are, I mean, there's far right people, there's libertarians, there's, there's, you know, anarchists like Michael Malice, anarchists like me who are kind of quasi anarchists, like, there's plenty of people on the right, well, I'll say the right or whatever on this side. And I think the one characteristic they all have is this to authority, this like, fuck you i'm not like you do not own me i am yeah, not right. owned i am not your farm animal and I, I that's where the divide happens and like that's what the divorce is, is needed for because yeah i think the rest of the population doesn't have that reaction and i actually i'll say i don't understand it that. because i actually there, don't think i understand it the, it's worse than that they, i mean are i'm trying to understand this myself <laughs> It's worse than that. It feels to me like they actually want me controlled. These they do. Yes, they do. Maybe agree with me politically about a lot of stuff, but they still want me under some kind of control. They don't they want do. me thinking for myself. Um, and yeah. And they they want to be controlled too. Yes. That's their 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 yes. deepest value. I think to the extent that maybe one of our deepest values is you don't own me. One of their deepest values is I need to be controlled and taken care of this way. I think yeah. it's, I think it's, I don't want to have to be responsible for myself. Okay. I'm terrified yeah. at the world and someone needs to take the reins. I really think that's what it is. Yeah. Someone needs to take the reins and, and I think that can flip. Like, I think you could be the authority at that point and be like, well, I'll take the reins because someone has to take the reins and like, I'll be the one taking the reins. That's fine. Um, but I, most people are just like, I, I want someone else to drive because I'm terrified of living my life because living your life does require making hefty decisions that are life and death decisions, literally sometimes, or, you know, or massive, massive. I mean, imagine if you had to decide for yourself about taking the drinking, the wine that's being offered for the coof right now, as they say, I'm trying to avoid getting uh, in trouble, right? If you had to make up your mind yourself, well, that would actually be a lot more difficult. You see actually restaurants saying, we want the government to force us to force people because they don't want to have to be the ones to say, yeah, these are, these are the decide. rules. And no and one it's, to tell customers I've made this decision, right? That's they don't, they're terrified it. of personal responsibility. They're terrified of the idea that they are individually sovereign and responsible for their own lives. They don't want that. That's and the end that you have that freedom. Now things are messy because people make mistakes and people 
sometimes are morons and people are sometimes bad. And so you have all this freedom out there. That's messy and scary too for some people. And Carter, this is a great place to segue into something I was going to share with you guys. Okay. I don't know if I can share my screen, but did you guys see the, uh, the press conference with um, Jonathan Isaac talking about his drinking the wine? Can we even play that? No. I don't I don't know. Is it is there send me a um send you a link. Send me a link somewhere okay. and I'll try and play it. Um All right. Who's if it's Jonathan Isaac. He's a basketball player. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Um, <laughs> 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 Sorry, ha ha, the gay guy doesn't listen. know who basketball players are. Listen, I didn't even know till he, he made this <laughs> awesome press conference and now I know who he is. Oh, I think that was the most recent one. I, I, I do believe I have seen it. Yeah, uh, uh, A grown man a nice being favorite. perfectly reasonable and educating oh my gosh. on the media on how you think and speak like an adult. Yes. Yeah. There have been, been several basketball players now stepping up and explaining very in a very articulate manner why they're either not getting drinking the wine, so to speak, I just or sent it to you via Facebook. why they're not asking other people to do it. You sent it to me on Facebook? Yeah. Um, This guy could not be more eloquent and just calm and very, very just like, look, you know, it's a personal choice. And um, he's so good at expressing it. It's really a good statement. Worth playing if you feel like we won't you won't get kicked off YouTube. Oh, yeah. Well, we're just covering the news. It is news. Although that doesn't. And it is YouTube, actually by the way, mainstream news. You guys have seen YouTube's new policy, right? Yes. I'm They're, waiting for the hammer to drop and for like a lot of my videos to get cut because I'm sure I've said things on my videos that. Yeah. That, but I still have like I, Josh, I used to do comedy videos. I haven't done one in like five years, but they were kind of like, uh, as well, one of them is called white privilege. And it's so bad. And it's still up. It's still up. I can't even believe it. You know that right, one, I've Carter? got the video, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do. I love I, I love your videos. I wish you would. A little bit more. of, uh, like, I accidentally put on black makeup. It's <laughs> an accident. But it's still on YouTube. <laughs> if you guys want to see well, it. Well, don't tell them about it. Don't tell them about it, Sunny. Don't Go see it. Go see it. <laughs> I, right. I just got a comment on that one this morning and like it's so old now that people haven't really watched it recently and I don't get a lot of comments, which is why I think it's still up because um, mm. it nobody's aware of it. And, and so it's not getting flagged. If they find and it, though, you're screwed. I, but I do get a couple once in a while. I get like, a oh, my God, this is so racist. And I'm waiting. <laughs> OK, I guess this might be the day that it gets taken down and it never gets taken down. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm somehow flying under the radar. Oh, and there's the one of me in the hijab too. I mean, why is that still up? Yeah. 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 You did some outrageous stuff. I did. But back then you could really do that with a little more freedom. Today I would make that it would, it would last a day. It wouldn't, it's still up because I made it in 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Here, I've got the thing, I think. So let's see. This is the video, I think, right? Yeah. All right. I'll just I'll leave I'll leave you two on screen and play it. Oh my god, look at the sponsors. Amway, Advent, Advent Health. Advent Health. 
But they love what he's saying. Jonathan, Jamie Say, WKMG. Wondering if you can comment on the Rolling Stone article and your comments that appeared on that about you not getting a vaccination, um, why you don't want to get a vaccination, <clears throat> and were, were you misquoted in that article? I, I would just I would start by saying that that I, I was pretty badly um, misrepresented um, in the Rolling Stone article, uh, and and because of that, I can understand anyone who may say they don't uh, transparently or overtly trust um, the media. Uh, <laughs> Good. In, in a frustrated tweet yesterday, I had noted that uh, true journalism was dying. Um, and to that, I would say that I appreciate every single one of you, uh, those that try their best to um, correctly Look how gracious um, he is. Uh, share the thoughts, the ideas, yeah. and the, the heart of the people that they're asking questions of. Uh, I'm, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-medicine. I'm not anti uh, science. I didn't come to my current vaccination status by studying black history or watching Donald Trump press conferences. I have nothing but the <laughs> utmost respect for every healthcare um, worker in person in Orlando and all across the world that have worked tirelessly to keep us safe. Um, my mom has worked in healthcare for a really long time. Um, I thank God I'm grateful that I live in a society where vaccines are possible and we can uh, uh, protect ourselves and have the means to protect ourselves for the first in the first place. Um, but with that being said, it is my belief that the, the vaccine status of every person should be their own choice um, and completely up to them without the without bullying, without being, without being forced into doing so. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm uncomfortable with taking the vaccine at this time. I think that we're all different. We all come from different places. We've all had different experiences and hold dear to different beliefs. And uh, what it is that you do with your body when it comes to putting medicine in there uh, should be your choice, um, free of the ridicule and the opinion of others. Wow. He goes on to explain, um, you know, that he had COVID, that he right. he he's reviewed the science. He he thinks that he is actually more protected than the vaccine could give him. That he has, um, he said. You know, he goes on to like basically give the rational scientific reason for his decision and then reiterates, it's my choice. And and if you get the vaccination, that's your choice. And I have nothing against you. And I mean, he's just really gracious and smart and thoughtful in his response. Yeah. And he's there's been a couple after him, too, that have come out similarly calm and rational in responding to. Uh, responding to similar questions. So I, I don't know I what's going on in the NBA. As but him. It's great. I, I know. I was that just going to say, kind of... <laughs> I feel like opening up a big old can of histrionics here. Cause that just seems, <laughs> that just seems like there's not enough. Um, there's not enough unconstrained emotion and screaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. How dare you? How dare you Rolling Stone? How... Yeah. I'm, I am not as mature <laughs> as that guy. <laughs> Well, one thing I like about what he's saying, in addition to to you know what he just said generally, is uh, I think a lot of people are realizing how much the media lies in general. Um, and it's I forget the name of that. There's some phenomenon where you it's someone's law, someone's name's law, but I don't remember the guy's name. Uh, where you you read an article in the paper about something that you know intimately and see how how misrepresented it is and how wrong it is and then turn the page and read the next story about something you don't know and assume that it's 
re being reported accurately. Um, yeah. Well, this, the, the, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's, um, it's a way of describing that is, um, well, it's one of the things that my friend Kevin, the producer on Disaffected, said when I first got to know him. I mean, I think I knew this, but the way he stated it so plainly just made it so obvious. Um, why should any of us believe anything at all that the New York Times or NPR or CNN tells us when we can see that they flatly call men women and pretend right. that they don't know what they're doing when they will misrepresent something so fundamentally when they will make such a counterfactual i mean doing that pe people have gotten used to this but they shouldn't be used to it because that statement is as absurd as saying that water is dry or that when the sun comes out that means it's dark outside it's that level right. of basic and yet people do they might say oh it's just ridiculous because of this trans thing okay it's because of this trans thing but if the newspaper is doing that why do you believe anything they tell you why do you right. go on to the next there's article so and say there's so much evidence there's that's true i mean that's a really basic thing that everybody can see right there no matter what political side you're on i mean i guess there, there's definitely a political side now, though, that is uh, repelled by any suggestion that that isn't true, that men can be boys and that uh, women are just people with vaginas. <laughs> bodies. I'm sorry. Bodies with vaginas is the latest descriptive term. So For the CDC said pregnant people, right? Pregnant Excuse people? Me. Yeah, they did. They just tweeted something that said something about pregnant people should get the vax or whatever. And it's so uh, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, this is absolutely ridiculous. And it, you know, it really is. Um, I, I, I'm so glad to see a huge number of feminists, prominent feminists pushing back on this nonsense. Yeah. The thing it's with the feminists those... though, is they're, they're only going to push back on that part of it because that's the part that they don't like, but the rest of it, they'll embrace wholeheartedly because most feminists are Marxist. So, um, true. You know, it, it's I, I was thinking that that, you know, I, I think there's a lot of like angst built up, like a lot of people are feeling really uneasy about where we are in society right now. And I think that there's something that contributes to it um, that you touched on a moment ago. If you know this is bullcrap and you don't say anything and you don't do anything, I think you're killing a little piece of your your soul. I'm using soul metaphorically, but I think it gets harder to look yourself in the mirror and respect yourself every single day that you don't speak up and say something. Like, yes, the world is crazy. Yes, it's the clown world circus going on right now. But if you're not doing anything about it, and everyone that does different things, you don't have to start a podcast about it or write books right. or, you know, go like, but if you're doing nothing about it, just I imagine that hurts your self-esteem over time. Basically speaking out, basically socially saying, no, this is wrong, calmly, in, in whatever circle you're in, I think everyone should be doing that. And if you're not, you're, you're, you are, you're being a coward. And yeah, that definitely would 
not just a coward. Minimize your self-esteem. Not just a coward. A lot of the people have graduated from coward to capo. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that's what Carter is saying is like, start out as a coward. It corrupts you a little bit. And then you end up as, as a villain. Yeah. Well, I, hey, I'm just making the trains run on time. It's not, I'm not doing anything else. That's, I'm just doing my job. I'm just making the trains run on time. I'm actually, I'm not actually putting people on the boxcars or, you know, starting the furnace. Like I'm not doing those, they're the gas, right? I'm not doing those things. I'm just making sure the trains run on time. I mean, that's kind of what it is. If you're, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to become, I think people that know this is wrong are going to have to either psychologically just double down and like really repress that and which will also make them angry and upset but like they'll join a team and that that will that will transmute into this anger or they're just going to feel worse and worse about themselves and more in despair about the world around them um and angry at people who have the who have the guts yes. to stand up mhm yeah and yeah, then maybe, they want to hurt them. Like, then that's the next level is like, oh, I'm really angry at these people. Right. I need to stop them from doing this. And then it's, and then it's fine to control them and hurt them. And yeah, well, we see yeah. it every day, you know, every time people like you or you or me, or most of the people joining us in the chat today, say something about this insanity, talk about how it's irrational, talk about how something the government is doing is unconstitutional. The level of anger that the other side directs at us has to be personally motivated. They can't simply be that angry because they disagree factually about a policy position. I think they're angry because underneath that, part of them knows that we're right. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, That's and, really and they know that they don't, in a sensible world, they, I mean, and I, I don't mean this in a, in a way that it, just to flatter those of us who agree with this, but they know they don't stack up morally in this situation. They're, they're not being, they're so righteous. Though. They, it's so hard to get that because they're so righteous and they push that. Like they treat you like you're so immoral and, and they're just sure uh, of it. That's I how think they that's, act. No, I think that's the same as uh, someone who's, like being super boastful to cover the fact that they have a low self-opinion, right? Um, yeah. It's like they're super righteous because they feel dirty and guilty themselves. So that's why they're doing that. Well, that's a good start. They should feel uh, dirty and guilty. Um, that's a very yes. good start. Um, <laughs> but they need to go farther. Right. Yeah. Well. So rather than go, oh, yeah. I'm dirty and guilty and just shut down then, shut off thinking about it. What is the next step? Well, they're justifying it, though. So so instead of saying, like, I'm dirty and guilty, I don't think they're saying that to themselves and recognizing it. I think they no. feel dirty and guilty. And and to justify that feeling, right, they have to vilify you. Right? They have to say, well, you're the wrong one, right? Like, because you're making me feel this way. It's your, like, you're making me feel bad about myself, but I know I'm right, so you're evil and wrong. And all that anger about themselves is then thrust upon you yeah it's classic projection yeah you know we project so that we can lie to ourselves about who we are right right it does seem like the other side 
And I'm not talking, uh, I think the sides today are literally like liberal freedom versus totalitarianism. So I see people on the other side in a, amongst objectivists, amongst libertarians, amongst Republicans and Democrats. So I'm seeing a real split on completely different, on a a totally different ideological line than it, than it used to be. Um, where was I going with that? (laughs) I don't know what I was going to say. I think you're right. The sorting, the sorting into types that's going on here does cut across the political spectrum. Um, And I think you're right. The salient characteristics are individualists versus collectivists or sovereign people um, and authoritarians. And it's, you know, it's no longer surprising if, if we understand that those are the lines on which we are sorting, then it's no longer surprising that we notice that we find them in many different camps. Although I do think I for and I don't know what the reason is for this, but I do think the strongest correlation with authoritarianism right now is, in fact, on on the left. It's not yes. that they they don't exist. They do exist among the objectivists, um, yeah. uh, the libertarians, but there are far more of them, it seems to me, on the left right now. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Yeah, the left seems to be masters of projection. That's I see that at least in politics constantly. That's kind of their main theme. And when they start to accuse someone on the right, Republicans or whatever, of something, I think, uh-oh. Like, because uh, I know What'd that they're do? doing that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know they're doing what they're talking about. It's yeah. become well, a normal so- thing to just, you just have to apply it to them and you'll you'll find out what they're doing behind closed doors. Can I grab out that? Um, I know it's your job because I'm not a host here. But somebody just super chatted, and I think it's important enough to. Um, sure. uh, so, finest fitty. Finest fitty cycling. Again. There you go. Yeah. That person said, <laughs> <laughs> that being, um, has anybody read the article? The experts somehow overlooked authoritarians on the left recently published by The Atlantic of all places. Yes. And in fact, I'm going to talk about that on my show this weekend. Really? I I haven't read that. Referring to an article by the psychiatrist Sally Sattel. Um, She's a lecturer at Yale School of Medicine and uh, she's with the American Enterprise Institute. And she's got a long feature article out about new research on the authoritarian left and how psychology and social psychology researchers have completely ignored, well, no, not ignored. They've, they simply decided over the past 50 years that there's no such thing, that authoritarianism is by definition right. a right. phenomenon. That's, They've that's covered it up. Postmodernist yeah. thought. That's actually right yep. out of postmodernist yeah. uh, textbooks. You know, can, I, yeah. I just want to, do you remember, for so for like years, I think, I mean, probably decades. There's been there was always that right-left thing, and there was that graph that libertarians would use, and it had the other axis, right? Um, and I don't I don't remember if the other axis was individualism and authoritarianism, but it was something like that, right? And I've always I was I was always very confused about why don't people see that fundamentally this is about individualism versus authoritarianism? Like clearly, that's what this is about. Why are people organizing themselves? on this like made up weird spectrum. It didn't it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And one thing that I think is good about what's happening right now is I think when the system is stressed, 
the 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 true alignment has to show itself, right? It's the the left right thing is just a patina. It's like painting on top of something that's not really how it is at all. Yeah. Um, and actually, like the truth is underneath part of it. This part of it's been great. Is mm-hmm. is the growing movement of individualists from you know. Uh, as somebody who's been on the right for a long time, a lot of people on the right are kind uh, historically were sort of dull, <laughs> kind of uh, overly conservative and very non-creative types, not artistic. And now there's this growing group of people that are way more interesting um, I, I hate to be disparaging of the people who've always sort of been on the right but uh it's just so refreshing i feel like it's it's almost a renaissance i kind of feel like we're experiencing something really good in that sense of people growing and discovering and more really dynamic personalities joining in that that movement of individualism Even though we're in the middle of, you know, being crushed. (laughs) Yes. Let's do some more super chats since since Josh brought us to super chats a minute ago, which was good. Jack Bennett Armstrong wrote, agreed, very insightful. This is a while ago, so I don't know what he's agreeing, but he's agreeing with you, Josh. Agreed, very insightful. Thanks, Josh. By the way, I'm Rib Rotgut. Just got banned from YouTube and Twitter twice. Perhaps I should come out of the anti-woke closet anyway. Oh, I recognize your your old name. Yeah, welcome, welcome back. Uh, Super Iron Bob writes: Herodotus was called the father of history and the father of lies by his contemporaries. Historians have continued to earn those titles since. It's a hard thing to write history and be unbiased. Um, Paratomsky really writes: Good history books have a lot of primary mm-hmm. source in them. Yeah. But even that can be cherry picked to some extent. But I mean, really interesting and good history books and to me uh, tend to have a lot of original letters and journals and things like that that they quote newspaper articles. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, French Revolution books is this. Uh, actually, the University of Chicago does this for a lot of things. I just bought their uh, the one that was about the French Revolution. But they've got a series of books where you just they walk you through that period in history with original sort like primary source material. And that's cool. all it is. Nice. It's just like, you know, here's so and so like, here's the king writing to so and so here's Necker writing to the king. Here's like it's and they I, just walk do you, you think through it's comprehensive or are they cherry picking? Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert. But I would say I I came away from reading that wishing that I had had the historical story arc first so I could put those those all in context a little bit more because I didn't really even know much of the story arc. Um, but I don't know, based on what I've read so far, it doesn't seem like they were cherry picking. It seemed like it was, you know, pretty, pretty accurate. Um, you know, I don't, nothing seemed misrepresented. They had people of lots of different persuasions you know, their, their stuff written in there, um, and captured. So yeah, no, I thought it was pretty good. I recommend, Hmm. I think, and I think the university of Chicago does this for other things. This was just like, I think this was book seven or whatever in their series, their history series where they take primary sources and compile them. Um, 
All right, Pirate Tomsky says, one of the most pernicious ideas behind communism is that it claims to hold, quote, empathy and, quote, fairness as core values, which couldn't be further from the truth. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I want to have a conversation about empathy at some point, but people think that empathy matters, and I do not. I think it's a necessary but insufficient condition. So if I mean well, but feed you poison... That's what matters. I fed you poison. Like my intentions are kind of irrelevant in that. Like, so when people are like, well, we have a lot of empathy. That's why we want universal health care. It's like, well, I don't care how much empathy you have. Universal health care is bad for people. So I don't know if everyone agrees with that, but that's all right. There's that's confusing because there's also a phenomenon that I've been feeling lately, which it, it, it's sort of weird to be living in a country in history, and I'm sure this has happened before, I know it's happened before, where the people in charge really have contempt and hatred for the people they're ruling. Um, you know, I think communism was probably, I think the, the Bolsheviks were probably like that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it's always the case. I think sometimes kings and things have, have the perspective that they they love their citizens and their country. Um, so it's a little bit of a different experience psychologically, you know, to be literally the, the shit on their shoe. But I think communists, all the communist regimes I can think of have had that yeah. contempt for uh, the, 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 the working class. Meanwhile, they're they saying, oh, I'm to. for, we're, we're pro working class, but they really don't. There are these elites, these educated people of wealth, um, who, who are part of a club and they really think that those people shouldn't be allowed to be independent and make choices and that they're stupid and that they can't be in right. charge of themselves and they need to be told what to do. And they really regard them as like they're dolls, you know, just really, really inhuman. And, and I think that you and, have and to maybe though. worse. I feel like they kind of hate us. Yeah. No, I you think know, you have to. Yeah, you can't you can't be you can't want to be part of the central party in a communist regime and not have contempt for the the people that you flagrantly used their woes in order to, to build a power structure like that. Like it's I don't think anyone I maybe that maybe I'm being harsh, but I don't think anyone at the top of a communist power structure actually believes that communism is good for the people below it. I just don't think I just don't think that's true. I think it's a think power it's grab. I think they know it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. why else would you starve millions of Ukrainians and millions of Chinese? And like, why would you do that? Right. For the why, greater why good. would you do that? For all the people in Moscow. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that's how they justify it. That, I think that's, that's how they justify, they justify it out loud. But, right now. Yeah. But that's what they're saying right now is that we're going to force all that. We're going to be authoritarians and force these wines on people um because otherwise people will be hurt and even if that right. kills a bunch of people uh well we've saved some other people but do you really think that's their motivation or do you think their motivation is just to be authoritarians because i don't think they actually care about people yeah i think it's yeah i think that's right i think they actually hate us <laughs> Josh, see this is, this is this is where i think this is where i think the concept of of the cluster b personality structure becomes important because that's what this is, right? These are not normal people. 
they're not normal psychological they're not people who are normal psychologically they're disturbed their consciences are either absent or impaired they lack theory of mind some of them quite literally lack theory of mind they don't actually see other people as uh, consciousnesses with subjective sensation and interests of their own is that empathy though isn't that just empathy right there well that that's that's a that's a word to describe it that you know yeah. i think well, these are words different words for for some of the same things it's <clears throat> they don't and and how conscious they are of how different they are from other people i'm not sure but that's the I'm not sure a solipsist knows that he's different. Like, I don't think a solipsist even can comprehend that they're a solipsist. I don't think they do. And I think that's why they project so much. They assume that everybody is a liar and just like them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because there are some, there are some psychopaths out there who are aware that they are psychopaths. They are aware that they lack emotional motivations and and feelings about other people that most other people have. Of course, they're undisturbed by that because they're psychopaths. Right. <laughs> but so naturally. But they understand uh, it. They do understand it. Yeah. They're self-aware. Um, uh, they're self-aware. But, but they're but that must be really unusual. I don't think that's all of them, though. I think probably yeah. the majority of them are are not are not so aware of that. Um, and they, you know, they think that's Sonny, like you said, they think that that's what everybody's like. I really like this concept, Josh, of because it applies to not just the leaders, but also other people around can, taking con into consideration the idea that their mental state is not healthy, that like actually, you know, it's it's similar to the, the fire in the building analogy before, like they might yeah. be running to it's, their it's death right back to that, right? They might actually be running through the death or the cluster B leader might actually just be out for power and not give a crap. Like they might actually not be like stop. Like good people need to stop projecting their goodness onto bad people. Yes. That's the problem. Amen. That is so hard. It's really hard to get into the mentality of somebody like that. Um, but it's those really people hard. do exist. Yeah, they do. Yep. I grew up in a bad neighborhood, so I think that's one thing I've always been sort of like, well, of course, bad people exist. I mean, I saw that a lot growing up. And yeah. I remember when I was at when I was 14, 13, 14, we moved into a better neighborhood. And I thought, oh, whew, you know, now I'm around good people. And I was predominantly. And then I had a situation when I was 15 where I encountered a predator. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's here too. It's every, you know, it can be everywhere. And that was a real eye opener. And maybe that's, that has informed my ability to be skeptical of these people on a grand scale. I know it exists. I believe these people are capable of hurting people without batting an eye. That's, yes, yes. Th that, that's really important. And what's wrong, one of the major things that's wrong with the left right now and people who identify as part of the left, I'm going to generalize here. There's There are exceptions to this. This can't capture all of it. But the left, it seems to me, does not believe 
in human nature. It does not believe that humans have a nature and that part of that and, and that, that humans cannot, the, the left believes to some degree or another that humans can be perfected. They're blank uh, slatists. Blank slatists, yes. Um, mm -hmm. And humans do have a nature. We are not blank slates. Um, most of our psychology we are born with. Um, and our nature includes a certain percentage of people who are amoral or immoral or conscience-free or empathy-impaired in such a way that they become emotionally or physically dangerous to other people in a predictable pattern. Uh, the left does not like to believe this. And they don't like to believe it about themselves. They don't like to believe it about their parents. They don't like to believe it about their politicians or their Fauci's or whoever they are. And that's a really dangerous misconception to have because it's, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's what you're talking about, Carter, when you say they need to stop projecting their normal morality onto other people, that, that kind of, reverse projection if you will it's not reverse any more than than reverse racism is reverse it's just right straight up racism and straight up projection but we usually think of people projecting their negative things onto other people but we project our positive things on it too and it drives me nuts with people um who are more worried about appearing respectable than they are about telling the truth and these are the people who say, well, she must have had a reason to do that. You know, she didn't really mean to hurt you. She doesn't really want to do this to her children. She might, da, da, da. And certainly we're all capable of being profoundly misguided. Our prior assumptions can be so factually wrong that even moral people can make morally monstrous decisions based on that misinformation. That is true. But it's also true that there are a lot of people out there who are not misguided. They don't mean well. They don't give a fuck. And in fact, that's one level, but you take it up another level, and there are people who not only don't give a fuck, but they give a fuck because they like your pain. They like hurting you. They like constraining you. They get off on seeing you suffer, especially if they can be the instrument of your suffering. And pretending there's sadism. There's a lot of sadism out there that people don't want to admit. Now that gets into that cluster B personality yeah. disorder, uh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But we're all yeah. capable. We all have sadistic elements to our personality. And, the, yeah. and even those of us who are not personality disordered can, can become functionally more sadistic when we are wrapped up in a social circle that runs along those rules. Interesting. Yeah. So that may be why it's growing. Because the SJW so. social circle, or maybe it's not growing, it's grown. I mean, hopefully it's peaking. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I mean, I, I, I really and truly believe, and I'm glad, one of the things that I'm just, I'm super glad about is more and more people are now having this conversation about maybe we need a national divorce. I saw David Boy wrote an article, yeah. article about it today. Um, and it's something that, you know, I feel like, it wasn't that long ago when I was arguing for this and people were like, you're crazy. We can still save the world. You're crazy. You're don't yeah. be crazy. And it's like, yeah, I think a lot of people are realizing we need a national divorce that needs and it, to happen. It goes, it goes to questioning, being willing to question what you thought you knew, which is 
no, you know, America has to stay together and we can't have this, we can't be fractured and that would be dangerous. And like questioning all of that, I think is really important right now. Why can't we split up? And if both sides want to, what the hell are we like, really, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me read a couple more super chats. Pirate Tomsky says, when you level the playing field so there is no value in working hard and achieving something, people start to look for external validation instead. I, th- I mean, I don't. I, I think you're talking about communism, and, and I think what happens in is either they kind of give up on life, which does happen. You have a lot of like just people giving up, or they they find another way to achieve efficacy in the world. Like you want a sense of one thing that you need for a healthy self self esteem is a sense of self efficacy, which means that you are capable of acting in the world in a way that's beneficial to you. You're able, you're capable of solving problems and, and sustaining yourself and like that, that you have an effect, you have an impact on the world. And if you don't feel that you have any efficacy, it's very difficult to have self-esteem. It's one of the pillars of self-esteem is this, this feeling of, of efficacy. And in, in a communist world like that, maybe one of the ways that you feel efficacy is like, well, I get approval from the party and I rise in the party and like I'm getting more and more like there are things I can do to 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 change my my status and those things are not about being productive they're about manipulation or or whatever you know whatever the politics games are that uh help you climb the ladder of the commies uh cheeky mare says more nap parenting lessons please i love it <laughs> i will do more parenting at some point uh more i'll talk about it more i i find that when i tell people to not hit their children they go ape shit, which is kind of crazy because a lot of people are like yeah i love nonviolence. i love the idea of you know don't hit people and don't take their stuff and then as soon as i say apply that to your children they go ape shit. so um, I, I don't under- i don't understand it i and I see it. I see it among people that I don't expect to see it from. I mm-hmm. see people say stuff like, "These children weren't whooped enough when they were children." Yeah, and, yeah. And I I'm see like, that all the time. What What is wrong with you? Right. What's wrong? Because with you? right. And I think you see that from people who don't. This is my. I'm just guessing. I think I see that response from people who I suspect don't know why what they believe is right is right. They don't know why. They just know it's right. Um, they have a moral compass from somewhere, possibly from getting beaten or whatever as a kid, right? Like they don't have they, the um, self-esteem to say, like my needs are okay too, and they let that irritation and frustration um, lash out at their kid. You know, like they don't feel like they can say no to their kids, and that you know they don't have the. Oh, maybe. I, I think a but, lot of mothers are like that. Let's put it that way. I think a lot of mothers overly sort of give, and then they burn out and then they get pissed and irritated. Yeah. And it happens so, to me actually every day. And I have to yeah, really watch that. that because it's those moments that I want to um, just lay down the hammer, <laughs> right. you know? And right. so I have to protect myself and make sure I'm taking my breaks and saying no and saying, you're going to have to get that yourself or you're big enough and letting her be upset. That's her. You're, you can be upset. Doesn't mean I'm gonna do what you want, and you know right. that's very difficult. Yeah, although I, the pushback I'm talking about is actually from people who are saying, 
uh, they often quote the Bible. They'll say, well, spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah. Like you have to teach them this. And by the way, I encourage people who are Christian to look that up. I'm pretty sure maybe only 80% because I, I might be wrong. It's been a long time since I looked up stuff in a concordance and cared what the Bible said, but I'm pretty sure that that translation, if you look up the original Greek, or maybe it's even Hebrew, but I think it's Greek. I don't remember where it is in the Bible. Um, I'm pretty sure it's that rod. It's not, it doesn't actually mean physical abuse. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a metaphor. I think it's something else. And I, maybe I'll look it up someday. I don't care because I'm not a Christian, but if the Bible said like, this is the problem that I have with Christianity being the savior of the West. Um, it clearly requires interpretation. And I think the best case you could make is a particular interpretation of Christianity is necessary. Could like be they, the same. <laughs> Right. But yeah. you do need an interpretation of it because there's definitely some wacky interpretations of it. And mm -hmm. it is the Bible is clearly uh, poetic and not and and sometimes contradictory and not clear. It's not it's vague. So um, you definitely need something else on top of it. But look, I put the Bible stuff aside. A lot of the pushback I see is this kind of like how you teach them that this is wrong is by punishing them physically when they do it. You hit them. You and they, and they'll say, Sonny, not in a lose your temper kind of way, but in a very controlled like I'm deliberate. going to spank you now because you did <laughs> it's, this. It's this okay thing, because right? it's calm and deliberate. That seems creepier to me somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is, but but, th but that's the argument. That's the argument. There is this. There's the false alternative, though. If you don't, if you're not doing that, then you're letting them abuse you. You know, like you're letting your kids boss you around, and you're letting them talk to you. Right. They and, think it's befriend your yeah. child or hit your child, right. and that there's no other thing to do, which right. is just not true. Yeah. Right. No. Right. <laughs> Can I just? Yeah. I I just I want to inject something a little bit light and completely off topic here. Please do. I Please do. <laughs> it's a Friday. Inject something light. So, um, ever since I started listening to Unsafe Space, it, it was only about two or three months ago. I'm talking to you, Pirate Tomsky. Um, I had no <laughs> idea because I could only hear it. I wasn't actually seeing something typed out. I didn't know your gender because I didn't know if you were Pirate Tomsky or Pyra Tomsky. So I thought maybe... Um, you know, it might be pirate, like our, our, our pirate, but there might be some lady named Pyra and her last name was Tomsky. So it was only when I saw you, um, uh, being typed out a couple of months ago that I finally, um, I finally realized your true gender. So he is a pirate. He is a pirate. Um, he is a, he, he's a pirate and, uh, Aren't you I pick on him, him once in a while. Gendering I, him. I am gendering him yeah, and he's just going to have to take it gonna have to take it uh, not all pirates are boys and not all is. boys are boys by the way i sometimes i get um people uh criticizing me that i usually don't pull out criticisms but sometimes i think they're funny because they're so the opposite of what i'm always accused of this one is carter's interesting but too close-minded usually i'm uninteresting and too willing to like be too open-minded <laughs> that's usually the criticism that i get but now i'm interesting but to close-minded. So, uh, I don't know. I guess, am I improving? Yeah. Maybe. You uh, know, Pirate I think Tomsky. 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I think people get that sometimes. Um, I, I don't I, I don't know this person. I don't know the context of, of their criticism, but I noticed this being leveled at people sometimes. And what it seems to me is that a lot of times that's that's kind of a that's kind of a dishonest way of of saying what they really should be saying if they were going to be honest, which is I disagree with you and it makes me angry that you have this point of view. Oh, dude, that is 80% of negative YouTube comments can be distilled into my feels hurt because of what you said. That's it. Right. But 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 people don't want to yeah. come right out and say it and they don't want to own it. They they want to say you're making yeah. an intellectual mistake and that's why I'm reacting to you. It's it's what you've done. It's you know, people you're too yeah. close-minded. Uh well, I, what I get a lot is you're too judgmental. Sometimes, sure, maybe, yeah, but mostly no. You're not. I think you're not judgmental enough. Oh, we um, can talk about that all day. But Josh, yes, you know, it's this this whole idea that you know once you okay. Well, there's all sorts of different perspectives. Yeah, I know there's all sorts of different perspectives. I've considered a lot of them, and after consideration and weighing these things up, I came to a conclusion. Are you telling me that it's wrong that I came to a conclusion and I decided that one perspective was closer to the truth than the other? I mean, I made a decision. Josh, they don't like, like the decision that. you made. And I, I've been wondering, I've, I've been wondering, I'm trying to be more generous. <laughs> and I've been wondering oh, yeah. if that's a result of, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I'm a really good judge of character. I'm very good at connecting pieces and sort of predicting what's going to happen. Um, I feel like I'm always out front. And then a year later, people kind of catch up and then I get pissed. Like, what the, where have you been? <laughs> um, I just maybe have to accept that I see it first. That's kind of where I'm going with my own response to that. Yeah. Because some of us just have that ability. And I, you know, we look at some kind of skill that we picked up. Um, what do you think about that? You might just be out front, you know? Oh, I, I think all three of us can relate to that. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's an innate ability because I, 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 I've thought about this. I, I think I know what it is. Uh, I think genius? it's understanding. No, I think it's understanding <laughs> that ideas. Yeah, it's clearly it's genius. Clearly. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's um. I think it's understanding that that um, ideas have consequences in reality that eventually unravel, that principles matter. And so you can say, you, I, you can look at something. I mean, look at great writers, look at Orwell or uh, Aldous Huxley, who saw some things going wrong at a principle How level. frustrating, right? Right, and, the, and they wrote- Ayn Rand, and they're like writing all yeah. this stuff. Watch out, everybody. Right, and they, made, they didn't get all the details correct because they were, you know, they're decades and decades ahead of time, but um, they were right. And so, you know, it's actually not that hard to look at something and say, hey, this is setting a precedent. Here are the ways in which that precedent could go bad. And, and like, that's not, you don't need to be a genius. You just have to understand that ideas matter, setting a precedent matters. Like once the precedent is set, that principle will be reused. But so many people refuse to think in terms of principles that I think it really cripples their ability to see what should be obvious to everyone. 
so we're not geniuses. Just a lot of people are just willingly or like maybe willfully not wanting to think to think in principles because thinking in principles forces you to confront contradictions in your own uh, ideology, things that bother you. Like it's hard. It's sometimes not comfortable to think in principles. Um, mm -hmm. And they and and they don't and no one wants to see it, right? Like if you say, look, like Josh is saying, hey, uh, <laughs> these people. These are cluster B people. They've got personality disorders. Like you can't interact with them. You're not going to be able to talk them out of it. Like this is yeah. this is how you have to. This is what's going to happen. They don't yeah. want that to be true. No one. That's not a fun thing to be. They don't want it yeah. to be true. And so they're going to deny it and deny it and deny it and deny it. And then two years from now, we'll be like, oh, gee, Josh was worried about that thing. It's like, yeah. Well, or what you were saying yeah. about the the death premise, or you know, Ayn Rand writing about the death premise in Atlas Shrugged that is really hard to grasp as a good person. And it's hard to believe that people mm. in charge have that. Um, but some do a lot do Yeah. today. Yeah. Well, I, I have a good example of, of uh, the failure to think in terms of principles and the failure to project the consequences of decisions into the future. That was my attitude toward the second amendment when I was still a leftist. Um, and very much for gun control, um, you know, just like any leftist um, would be. I, I don't exactly know what, why my thinking went wrong this way, because it's so clear to me now that I wasn't thinking anywhere near the level that I'm capable of thinking, so I don't quite know why. But what was really going on was, I didn't understand or hadn't internalized or didn't value enough the fact that regardless of whether I like some of the consequences that flow from the fact that we have a second amendment that is as clear as it is, I very much didn't like the several consequences. I didn't like the fact that there's no limit on the kind of weapons you can have, you know, arms aren't defined, right? So I didn't like the fact that I couldn't say, well, no, obviously you can't have a fully automatic blah, 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 or a bomb or blah, 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 or blah, 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 right? But me not liking that has nothing to do with what the Second Amendment says. And the fact of the matter is that it says what it says, and that's what it says. And if I don't like that, my options are to push for a constitutional amendment or something else. But it, it doesn't mean that because I don't like the consequences that I get to say that this doesn't have the force of law. It doesn't have the force of constitution, but I think it does if you're a Supreme court justice though. So don't worry. You just took the wrong career path. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt and derail. That's you. all. I just, I just, you reminded me of like, I, I really think that's how Supreme court justices make decisions often. Like, I don't like the consequences of this clearly written thing. So therefore, it doesn't mean that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right. Let me read some more Super Chats. Pirate Tomsky, again, says, this guy, I, he's probably meaning you, Josh. This guy is the new Could black face of white supremacy. Canceled in <laughs> three, two. Oh, he was talking about the NBA oh, player. The NBA he, player. That came yes. up when they played. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes oh, sense. Right, who's, the, who's the first new black face of white supremacy that's um, – What's Candace, his face? Candace Owens? Elder. No? Uh, oh, Larry, Larry, Elder. Elder. 
And, and oh, okay. Candace Owens has been called a white supremacist, and Larry Elder right. was the black face secret white supremacist. Right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Um, Cheeky Mare says some people confuse enabling for empathy. They're both ease. That's well put, Cheeky Mare. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with you. That's very well put. Kent on for Truck says leftists like to demand solutions, not provide them. Ah, uh, I don't. They want have their a final solutions. solution. Yeah, they have solutions. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Francis Montgomery says, "X scene." I don't know what that even means. Oh, yes, I do. X That's scene wine. mandates hit at my job. Yeah, wine mandates hit at my job at a hospital. They lost twenty percent of staff members, which are most black. Yeah, something there's definitely there, a. Man. There's definitely something going on there. It's it's amazing how it's because Nicki until... cousins, friends, balls. <laughs> I I think all you need to know about the left's relationship with principles is that up until now, any disparity in um, outcome, any racial disparity in outcome, was 100% systemic white supremacy. No questions asked. There can be no other explanation. That is the answer. But when it comes to these mandates and there's a disparity in, in how they affect people, nope, no racism here. Nothing to do with racism. How yep. dare you say it's racist? The end. Um, all right, last one. Pirate Tomsky says, he's a, this is a quote, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. And he says, is it Carter or Joker? Is that a quote from Joker from Batman? Maybe it is a quote from Joker. I think, oh. too, I think a lot of people Are related to that movie. <laughs> Are we the baddies? You remember that? I think, uh, yeah, no, that I, I, viral clip where the Nazis, Nazi turns to his Nazi buddy and says, "Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? Yep. <laughs> I think there's something dangerous here, though, because I think there's a lot of people that feel what we're talking about but can't articulate it, and that might lead to really violent, horrible behavior because they feel this stuff. But they they really can't articulate it well, and it just they're just going to lash out at society in random ways. Well, yeah, and and I think it's not going to be just because they can't articulate it. It's that they there there are going to be fewer and fewer ways that they can push back against it with any effectiveness. And and the fact mm. of the matter is, it doesn't. I can sit here and disclaim about violence all I want and say um, I'm not saying that people should burn property down. I'm not saying this, that, and the other thing, obviously, but none of that matters. How I feel about this doesn't matter at all. The fact is that if we keep pushing people, if we keep segregating people, if we keep demonizing the unvaccinated or the Trump supporters, there is going to be violence. Yeah. You push people far enough, they're going to shoot you in the face repeatedly it's going to happen and, and let's say calls. let's say they win it, they're only going to win by massacring a lot of people are they prepared for that yeah. it's a very scary tinderbox yeah that we're they feel, so someone right in now. someone in chat said it's that they feel the boot on their throats and like i i think that's true right it's they they do there are a lot of people who feel that boot on their throats and at some point you run out of options. Hey, Carter, I sent you um, something in Facebook messaging. You and your Facebook. I, sorry, I didn't. I don't even think I. 
I should. We need to get you on you. Signal or something. WeChat. I'm on Signal. What the heck? Are you? All right. Yeah. Who isn't? Everyone's on Signal. Everyone's right? on Signal. What is this? The daily. Okay, so Here, I'm gonna, the, the one I'm gonna give that. this to Beverly so that she the can. One oh, not that. the Daily Mail one. So, oh, okay. Um, it's two two things. Um, oh, okay. I shared this morning the old Apple ad. Think different. Oh, do you remember that? Yep. From the eighties. Okay. And how Should far we we've it? come, right? Should we watch this ad? Yeah, let's watch it. All right. All right. Uh, ugh, Brave wants to hold on. Brave wants to update. Obviously, we can't allow that during a show. Okay, let's see here. I'm gonna maybe uh, full screen this thing. You guys, you guys can still be heard. You just can't be seen. We're we're like uh, what is that? Three thousand. The guys three thousand who reviewed the movies. <laughs> oh, Mystery Science three thousand. Mystery Science three thousand. Yeah, I loved it. I loved them. All right, here we go. Me too. Those guys are so funny. MS. What is it? MSCTK or whatever. Mr. Sensitive, MST3K. There you go. Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary of the information purification collectors. Information purification collectors. A garden of pure ideology where each worker may bloom, secure from the pests, computer will introduce Macintosh and you'll see why 1984 <laughs> won't be like 1984 <laughs> they're gonna wait till 2024 is that the you know I mean I just wanted to demonstrate like well, first of all Steve Jobs was a cut above what we've got yes. for tech bros today tech tech CEOs today that used to be Silicon Valley and the attitude very individualistic and yeah. i feel like a lot of people still think it's like that and it's not and especially objectivists you, they seem to have this like they think silicon valley is yeah. like that still yeah you're right yeah no and, no you know what silicon valley is today it's full of troons what's that ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can do that another time no now you have to say what is a troon it's really bad. <laughs> Do it. it. I got my swear jar. I can lend it to you if you need to say something. We can something. handle it, Josh. We can handle it. It's a slur for trans women. It's a portmanteau of, of trans and cartoon because so many of them have this sort of anime sensibility. About oh, them. yeah, they do. Yeah, Trooned. okay. Now we yeah. have that. There's a lot of trunery in big tech. There it's is. It's a cesspool. It's a cesspool. And... Their values there are not American values. Nope. Um, and they're collectivists, and they they have that. I feel like what comes out of there is this utopia, like what you were describing, Josh. Of humans are perfectible in this way that is inhuman. It's like a lot of Asperger's people who just don't really understand humanity, and they just 
they think it's a computer program that they can like improve. And yeah. 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 And there, yeah, this, this reminds me of something else that's been bugging me a lot lately. The, the idea of nudging people. Oh yes. The Cass um, Sunstein model of that's exactly what we've been going through. Yeah. And, and Silicon Valley is just chalk fucking full of that. I mean, yeah. you notice it in all of their products. I mean, the way the way your computer, your laptop, your phone, your pad, they are designed, and I, I don't even mean this pejoratively, but Sonny, I think you're absolutely right. They are designed with somebody who thinks with an Asperger's mind, who thinks, you know, I can make the people do the things if I give them the guidelines and if I give them the annoying nudges and if I make them stop here and make a choice because I need these things and that's how I figure out to do things. So I'm going to make them do these things. I mean, it's like, do this. Don't you want to do this? Do you want to explore the new feature? You really should back up now. You should do this, this. I mean, it's constant. Bing, bing, yeah. bing, bing, bing. Yeah, yeah, but the sad thing is that they're most they're right to a large extent. Like it works quite a lot. Right. I mean, there's um, a whole to a point. I, I feel like it works to a point and then you end up with what we've got, which is incredible yes. turmoil and and danger. Um, you yeah, know, it works until it doesn't. And then it really doesn't anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. People yeah. get pushed too far and they are yeah. miserable and they're they're not being themselves. They're not being individuals. And so they're feeling like, ah, like my life sucks. And yeah. my relationships suck and politics suck and everything's icky and everything's lying and everything's fake and everything's a nudge and nothing's true. And it drives people crazy. I don't think people understand the amount of um, psychological expertise that goes into product development in Silicon Valley. I mean, there's a there's a book. Such I mean, this is point. this is a long time ago. Uh, I would I read this book and gave it to founders. I mean, and I'm talking maybe 10 years ago, I don't know, it was a long time ago, called, uh, I think it's called Hook by Nir Eyal. It's about psychological manipulation. It's about how to get someone hooked on your product. Um, and there's an entire, uh, there's an entire class at Stanford about this very thing. Um, well, and, and Nudge by Cass Sunstein is worth a read too, because that's evil. the political version of the, okay. of how the government gets people to do things and that's how it's it does work but it also creates what we've got today right it works in the short term i think yeah i think i think people are willing to be hooked a little bit or nudged a little bit for certain things like i like that my phone can remind me it's time to go pick up your daughter don't leave her at school like a jerk right like that's yeah, there's some that's, nice that's, things that's fundamentally right. different from i mean that's that that serves your interest that's a choice that many people would yes. make you know say i want to use my device to remind me of things that i need to do and want to do in the real world yes. you know i'm not talking about those things i'm talking about the um the well, micromanaging of what news you read what micromanaging but also mm. micromanaging you know, with these devices, I don't know. It's, it's giving not you anger Twitters or, or anger, um, <laughs> uh, uh, putting anger triggers in your feed because they know that anger keeps you engaged. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, they, they definitely, you are, there's that, there's the that, we talked about that documentary. The fact checks are a social nudge. Oh, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Good point, Sonny. Yep. Good point. 
Yeah. I think we see it in it. I don't know if it's necessarily nudging, but um, I keep talking about this. I probably talked about it the last time I was here, but I, I think that means I'm, I'm really trying to work toward a, a better understanding of this. It's not so much nudging. It's I see this expressed in the physical built world, too. Uh, I think of it as corralling people, corralling people like cattle, the way that you would have them go down an abattoir chute. Uh, before they're about to be slaughtered. I've noticed this in shopping center and housing developments. I don't know if it's like this in most parts of the country, but it certainly has been like this here in Vermont. And th this is a different way of building than we're used to here because this is an old part. This is one of the oldest parts of, of the country since it became, since it was settled by the English. And so our towns are, our roads are simply paved versions of the horse and cart tracks uh, that came right. up here. You know, they're at odd angles to each other. A lot of them, they're varying widths, you know, it's an organic growth and that has its pluses and minuses, but the new developments, whether it's shopping centers, housing complexes have an almost Germanic feel to them in terms of how tightly they control the flow of traffic you 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 can go into like a big a IKEA. <laughs> yeah, you go into a housing development that has say sixteen buildings, really big buildings, each of which has fifty apartments inside of it. So we're talking a very, a very densely populated place. But so it's this whole great big thing with sixteen different buildings, and there is one ingress and egress outlet in the entire place. There is wow. one exit to a main thoroughfare to get back to town. And it, and there, and so no matter where you're going, no matter which building you have to go to, you have to meander through by the pool and the clubhouse and through the parking lot. And God forbid they give you signs. They will not give you signs pointing, you know, exit this way. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, shopping centers are like that too. There might be sixteen. <laughs> Do you know what there. that reminds me of? That reminds me of all those lines everywhere where they have the chains, the zigzag, and the line is like super short, and you're going through this zigzag <laughs> just to get to the like back of this short line. Yeah. And it, it makes me wonder why are they doing this? You know, uh, why are they doing this? Because it it bottlenecks traffic. Maybe that is one of their goals. Maybe that's what they wish to do for one reason or another. Um, but there just seems to be this fetish of corralling people and giving them only one approved exit, even if that makes traffic take longer, even if it's frustrating to people, even if it makes the average person get lost. I'm going to bring something up that's that you mentioned treating people like cattle and you also mentioned like aut autism in Silicon Valley. What you're describing to me reminds me of, you know, have you heard of Temple, Temple Grandin? Grandin? Yes. 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 Right? She's this woman with Asperger's who they will, like slaughterhouses will hire her to come in and design she knows a how to keep system. The cows calm. Yeah, she knows how to keep the cows calm and she'll, and she'll look at things. She'll be like, oh, remove that that red jacket over there that will bother them. Move that, do this. And she, like, how to keep them calm all the way until they get the, uh bolts to the back a, of the head or whatever a city of temple grandins 
yeah. setting up our society right now. Yeah, I think Is we that do. Our problem? Well, that, yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, if if I understand correctly, um, it, it, the, the outcome of the things she proposes do, in fact, seem to keep cattle calm and, and keep them from being scared. And it does, in fact, seem to be a humane way to design that system. But it, until it death. sure doesn't feel that way to me as a human. Well, when they're I'm animals. We're not. We're not animals. So we might be sort of going along with it, but it. We don't like it, and it's yeah. It doesn't work for us. I. I just get this feeling like the people who are running things, which I believe is Silicon Valley, they're the ones kind of in control of our world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the they're the people of wealth and power. They do regard humans as animals kind of in that way. And it's a weird, They're a system that needs to be cracked. For for Silicon Valley, the human brain is a system that needs to be understood. We're just another computer system that can figure out how to yeah. It needs to be decoded so they can figure out how to get it to do what they want and buy the products that they want. That's how it feels. And then and then there's a fear, like almost an anxiety of the sort of free range cattle situation you know well, like it's like Whoa, these what college, are those cows doing it's like these college campuses or or corporate campuses that for some reason have an utter fetish with forcing people to walk along the walkways that they want them to walk along and never to walk across the grass to get to a, a place and they put these goddamn signs up you know stay yeah. on the path don't walk here don't walk here right. and, and it's like how about you just let back it go. off. Let How about people you walk? Yeah, get used to the fact that people will take a straight line when they can. They Put are going to wear down once in a while and have to regrow want. some grass. Let it be there. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Just let I, it go. I, think, I believe this is a psychological difference between the sides. There, those of us who are like, you know what? Yeah, it's not perfect. The grass is going to get a little worn in areas. We're going to have to like periodically reseed. Guess what? That's how roads. That's how roads were laid out. And you know how we lay out our roads? It's because it's where people started wearing the fucking grass down. Yeah, that's right. And then you just paved it, right? And and it's how we're treating. It's the difference between the COVID sides too. Like there's there's the version who's like germaphobic, and they, oh my god, you know, di- anything dirty or kind of like not in control is to be. But- afraid uh, to be feared yep. and the, there's levels of like okay i might get it but there's treatments now like you know there's just a different attitude of kind of how to live life and yes and th- there's also this fetish that seems to be cropping up in our world too for well it definitely it's process over outcome in theater over substance but you see it in the adherence that people have to these ritualistic behaviors to do with hygiene and COVID. It's not just that you have to do these things. It's that you have to do the steps in order. You have to take your mask off this way. Then you must put it down. And before you touch anything else, you have to put your elbow on the hand sanitizer, do this little thing. Then you may pick it up Sing again. Sing happy birthday while you're doing the little thing. You know, it has to be this long. One, yeah. two, three, four, five. <laughs> And, and I know what it is. It's not hard to explain. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it may not be outright for some people. It is outright, 
but it is related to the psychology of conditions like obsessive compulsive disorder, which yes, is- Yes, it feels very OCD. And I know this because I actually have OCD, largely- Well, and by the way, it's creating right? OCD in all these children. It absolutely is. And Perfect. my child, I, I watch how it's affecting her. And last year was particularly bad to the point that I, I stopped requiring anything of her. And I, I started- um, well, I did a number of things to break it because she was getting not just OCD, but kind of agoraphobic. Yep. And she's little, she's little. And then, uh, she was better at remembering to sanitize her hands than I was. And I'm like, this isn't right. I should be the one reminding her. And I don't want her thinking about this. I don't want her worrying about this, you know? Yep. These are we're these creating are a generation of mentally ill kids. OCD behaviors like that, ritualistic stepwise behaviors, are self-soothing techniques to tamp down anxiety. Um, they're irrational on their face, but they have a psychological rationality to them if you understand the system in which they they exist. But the 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 side effect to other people, though, is that to the degree that other people are doing this in public to soothe themselves. Their self-soothing is giving me anxiety. This is driving yeah. me crazy. This is making me uncomfortable. It's making me want to crawl out of my skin. You know, yeah. I don't it's creepy. It's, it's a problem. And it's so, it's so massive. I mean, you can have sympathy for someone with OCD and with, with these problems, but now it's like, you're making me part of your OCD world not yep. only because you want me to do your rituals, but I have to watch half of society complying with this and doing this all the time. And it's, it, yeah. I'm not Catholic for a reason, guys. I don't want to do all that. Right. I don't want the rituals. It's feeling really superstitious, too, because so much of it is just BS, yeah. you know? And at the same time, masks were all N95s, I wouldn't be like, oh, masks don't make sense. But they're not. They're just these paper things. I know. Yeah. And to the extent that all of these things, these ex excessive ritualistic behaviors, I, the other side of it is I like orderliness, but not this kind of orderliness. I think we are losing, we are losing the substantively beneficial kinds of orderliness that lubricate our economic and social interactions. We are losing etiquette. We're losing, we're losing politeness. We're lo we're losing words like please and thank you. Uh, we're losing reciprocity. We're losing even things like the convention of walking on the right side of a sidewalk rather than on the left side. People are breaking these rules. They're breaking rules at four way stops. All the things that that are actually the kind of imposed orderliness that calms us and makes it easy to get through the day. We're losing the good stuff and we're replacing it with nonsense. For the sake of nonsense. What you're saying is we're losing the sensible order and we're replacing it with arbitrary, arbitrary uh, ritual or order that makes that doesn't actually comport with reality. Correct. There's yeah. the order that evolved over time that works well and it evolved because it works well. And we're throwing yeah. it out just like the communists would throw out. I know this is the way things worked in the past and how people behave, but we're starting fresh. And now this is how we're going to behave. It's the same 
It's the same kind of thing. Listen, guys, I'd love to continue this yeah. conversation, but I've got to go. Gotta Sonny go has to go. Uh, I don't know. Josh has to go, too? Okay, great. So um, I'm going to, out of respect, I'm going to read the last two Super Chats, but uh, then we're going to wrap it up. I'll Fight You Naked says, my new article, Clown World, is my pinned tweet. I took James Kung Fu Panda of my mom, Lindsay's advice, and went with mockery. Uh, I don't know your Twitter handle, but someone maybe it's maybe it's I'll Fight You Naked, and someone can find it. And Super Iron Bob says, my favorite story about maybe apocryphal uh, was a university left a field unpathed and paved only once students had traveled them over a semester. I mean, that's make that that makes sense how you do it, you know. Instead of hiring uh, someone to figure out what the optimal paths are, let people <laughs> leave it alone. Leave it alone for a year. And then don't make over it the ugly with your dumb signs. Don't make it ugly yeah. with your dumb yeah. signs too, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, this has Josh, been awesome. what a pleasure it was to meet you. Yes, uh, likewise, Sonny. Really good to see you guys. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for the good conversation. This is great. It's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you both for, for being on the show today. And as a reminder, everyone, um, you can press the subscribe button, go to unsafespace.com to support, follow the show, all that kind of stuff. And uh, have a good weekend. We'll see you all on Monday. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and scheduled for ideological vaccination. To avoid cancellation, please update your ideological contact tracing app on your smart device immediately. Here's a fun fact. Only vaccinated black lives matter. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't think about it, I mean, that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.